Hey friends, back to the Three Things Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, Today I've got a subject I'm pretty excited about. Uh, It's a big one. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this with all these podcasts. Um, I'm not exactly sure how these topics are going to roll. Starting to get some in from listeners, which is pretty cool. I can't believe how quickly I'm getting listeners. I'm really humbled by that. So I appreciate all those of you who are forwarding this and getting it out there humbled and a little nervous about that, Um, but there's a lot of hits out there and a lot of people. So I'm excited about that and um, getting some ideas and getting some thoughts about what kind of topics I should be talking about Um, and also trying to really still do this for me um, just as organically as possible, just coming out of my life. So hopefully this hits you where you are, but it is really coming out of um, where I am. So um, really means a lot to me. So I'm going to talk today about happiness, which is a big one. I mean, if I covered like just big topics like that, um, I'd have about six or 10 of these things and that'd be it. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this, but the word happy just has been resonating with me lately for a few reasons. I think, you know, you get to your forties and you, you pursue this happy thing your whole life. You just do. And you get to your forties and you start wondering, Am I ever going to catch this or is this something you get? Is it this chase something that ends in success or is the chase part of life? And, you know, you run into people who you feel like might have caught happy finally. You know, they've been chasing it and they finally caught it. Um, And then you find out, no, not really. They're kind of just doing life the way I'm doing life. Um, And, you know, the the longer I, I... think about happiness and the longer I pursue it, the more I think um, that the pursuit in itself is what leads to it. And I know that sounds a little deep, but you'll hear what I'm understanding. You'll understand what I'm saying here in a little bit, I I hope. Um, Today, as I talk about happiness, I'm probably going to talk about my kids. Um, And uh, well, because I can, it's my podcast. You go get your own podcast if you want to talk about your kids. (laughs) But I want to talk about my kids um, a little bit today. And I think the reason I've got them in the plan so much is because they are the happiest people I've ever known. My two kids, London is 12, Reese is almost 10, um, the happiest human beings I've been around. And, um, And it's one of those things where I don't know. I feel like it's, I think it's a product of where they live and how we do life. My, um, my parents, their grandparents are right here and, um, Rish's parents, um, their other set of grandparents are are close to us now and they just get a lot of love. There's no question. And we live out on 40 acres of land and they get a lot of running and a lot of woods. And that was a big part of my growing up. And I think that that's part of it, but there's, there's something in them that, um, I lack, um, something I've either lost or I forgot, um, and they're teaching me that again, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's funny they uh, they're they're both happy, but London has this just posture about life that is a little different. In fact, different than anybody I've ever known. Um, and mornings, she just wakes up with this sense of of awesome. I mean, that's the word she uses all the time. Everything's going to be awesome. And uh, most people overuse that word. I really believe she thinks the word awesome is the right word. It's She's going to be in awe of the things that are going to happen today. And uh, one day we were on the way to school and she was just talking nonstop and optimistic and, you know, just way too cheery in the morning. And finally we got halfway to school and Reese just said, London, 
If you don't stop talking like that, I'm going to slap the happy out of you. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing. I know that's not a good moment to, to laugh as a parent, but I could not stop laughing because that's exactly what I was thinking. Because there, there's a sense that sometimes people are so happy you just want to say, you know, I, I either envy it or I'm annoyed by it um, because I can't seem to find what you found. Um, you know, and London seems to have a posture. And one of the things I'm learning about happiness, this doesn't count as my one of my three things, but one of the things I'm starting to learn is that happiness begins with a posture of awesome, like London has. I, I can't tell you how many times I'll go to my kids and say, guys, I got bad news. We, we're having people over Friday night. You don't know them. They don't have kids. They're really boring. I think they're like bird watchers. You know, and we just tend to meet people and we invite them over. And then later we're like, who are they and what are we doing? And we invite the kids, you know, we have the kids. And always London's first initial reaction is awesome. I bet they're awesome. I bet they're fun. I bet they're interesting. And it reminds me just um, that they could be. And it, it, it literally makes our night different because of her posture. Um, she, it's almost like she's a football player on the line before the hike. And she is in a three-point position of awesome. Like, I am assuming and waiting for the snap. And I expect awesome to come across the line. Um, and I know that sounds funny. I know it may sound even trite. But that posture has taught me a lot recently. Um, and, and as I get thinking about happy and as I get talking about happy today, I'm, I'm hoping that you get a deep breath. Um, if you're like me, this is something that you've been chasing your whole life. And at times you catch it, and at other times it seems elusive. Um, and it, no matter where you find yourself today, um, I'm, I'm hoping you get something out of the three things that I'd like to talk about when it comes to happy. I bet there are 300,000 things that you could say about happy. And my, myself, 300,000 things I could say about happy today. But there are three things that I'm learning right now that um, are important to me and three things that I, I wanted to kind of iterate just for myself and remember um, in this podcast. And, and maybe maybe it's something you haven't thought of. Maybe it's something you haven't thought of for a while. I don't know that these things are all that profound, um, but maybe they bring something back to you. Um, the first one is this. What I'm learning about happiness is that no other human being should have control over my happiness in any way. Now, I know that doesn't sound profound, but stop for a minute. No friend, no boss, no coworker, no sister, no brother, no mom, no spouse, no child, no stranger. No one should have any kind of control over my happiness. I am in charge of my own happiness. Me and what I believe to be the creator of the universe. But when I start to feel like happiness is elusive, I've noticed it's because I have allowed one, two, three, nineteen people in my life to take just a little bit of control. Very, I don't feel like I am necessarily a codependent person. I don't feel an overly bitter person. But lots of people take little pieces 
of my happiness throughout the day. I'll tell you what I mean. You know, I get up in the morning and London, you know, I want to slap the happy out of London with Reese. Um, but she starts my day with this happiness. And my wife is the same way. There's this sense of just um, stability at home. And we usually leave somewhat positive note around the house. And by the time I get to work, I think I'm in a pretty good mood and I've settled. But as soon as I get to work, whoever I run into first that seems unhappy, I always assume has something to do with the job that I've done, a project I didn't get done. Um, and sometimes it's true. I mean, sometimes it is something I just messed up or, and I immediately begin to almost picture a back that I'm carrying a backpack and I take a rock off their desk and just put it in my backpack and start carrying it around. And by the end of the day, I got a whole backpack full of rocks and I'm wondering what seems so broken. And I'm realizing the older I get that I'm starting to let people control my happiness. I'm just giving little pieces of it up one part at a time. I've seen people lose their life. I've seen happy, smart, well-balanced moms and dads lose their entire mind and life because their kids couldn't get right as adults. And maybe even as kids. You've seen this. Where, a, where parents just get so wrapped up. In fact, this is a phrase I heard growing up. You're only as happy as your saddest child. <laughs> Which I totally understand. I'm a parent of two beautiful kids. And I understand how it is really easy to, to absorb myself in the happiness of my children. But the truth is, it is unhealthy. It is not the plan of the Creator for you to be only as happy as anyone is sad on this earth. And so it is our job as parents, I believe. It is our job as parents. And my role as a dad to bring joy regardless of the situation, to be that place where joy can be found outside of circumstance. Maybe that's the most important job I have as a parent anyway. I mean, maybe the most important thing I can do is, is not um, completely wrap myself into my kid's life to such an extent that I can't provide them the joy perspective that they need. And man, I see it happen all over life. And I understand why. I love these kids desperately. And when they're sick, I wish I was sick instead. And I understand that, but it becomes this codependency that is scary. One of the reasons we begin to do this in life is this idea of codependency, that, that we are dependent on the, someone else's happiness. And as their happiness goes, our happiness goes. And if you're doing that today, let me know, let you know this. I have learned this in my own life the hard way, that if you are attaching your happiness, your ups and downs in your life to someone else's, you are never going to have the kind of emotional stability that you're looking for. You are never going to find the kind of happiness that you want. It will always be dependent on the mood of the other person. You have to find a way to break that cycle. Another reason this happens to me, and it happens to a lot of friends of mine, I see it happen over and over, it's much easier to see in other people than it is yourself, is this word bitterness. You know this word. See, that that's another way other people have a control over your happiness. If they've hurt you in some way, you become bitter. 
That's awesome. One of the New Testament writers, um, the writer of Hebrews, which is actually really controversial. Um, I won't get into this on this podcast, but some people believe that it was Paul that wrote um, the the book of Hebrews to a group of, pe- of people um, that were... Uh, that were in an area that Paul would have written to. And I can understand why people believe that. I happen to believe controversially that uh, it might have been a woman that wrote the book of Hebrews. <laughs> and I think it matters for a few reasons, but um, I don't want to get into that right now. But whoever wrote the book of Hebrews um, wrote about bitterness. And he or she said this. They said, don't let any root of bitterness grow inside you. Isn't that cool? That's such a cool thing. You think the Bible is old and you think these old writings that we have are like out of touch and out of date. But right now, as you sit in your car or in your easy chair, there is an opportunity for a root of bitterness to sprout inside your heart and inside your soul. And if you let it, the writer of Hebrews says this, it will defile the others around you. That this is not just about you, that it will eat the inside of you and then it will come out of you. It is that sincere and that gross of a statement to say that this bitterness thing gets deep inside of your soul and it grows roots. And the writer says, guard this at all costs, guard bitterness from growing root because it won't only cause your joy to be stifled. It will start to stifle and it will, the word is defile. And that's a great translation of that word. It's like ruin the happiness of the people around you. It will ruin the others as well. And you've seen this happen. You've seen somebody go through a divorce and then the mood of the home changes and almost the whole neighborhood gets a dark cloud over it. And everywhere this person goes there, there's a cloud that follows them and a and dust they leave. And this happens because of how dangerous bitterness is. Dan- bitterness is another way that I, in my life, have let other people or other circumstances, situations, control my happiness. The other thing that happens to me is that I get lost in this pursuit of happiness, this pursuit of joy. And I I forget that um, I, I just misunderstand in a moment how joy actually happens. <laughs> you know, um, the, the writer of the New Testament too says that, um, Paul says that that joy is one of the things that is a fruit of plugging into the right things in our lives. So joy doesn't come in our lives because we sit somewhere and try to be happy. <laughs> Happiness doesn't come because we we decide on a Saturday morning, today I'm going to dedicate myself to being happy. And we just close our eyes. Any more than a, than a piece of fruit says, or than a tree says, I'm going to grow an apple. But it, it plugs itself into the right nutrients. And the apple is the byproduct of where the tree has found itself. And the, where the tree has positioned itself in life. And that is what I have found happiness to be. That it is not something I can make but it's something I grow. It's something that I have to plug into the right things to. And then I don't realize until I'm in the moment that it's a byproduct of being in the right places and being with the things that really matter most. And, and that leads me to the second of the three things today. What I've learned about that is that things don't make me happy. 
They just don't. Now, I'm not saying they make me unhappy. Um, they just don't make me happy. Now, I say they do. I'm just being funny. I say cheeseburgers make me happy. I say a dumpster makes me happy. Um, and for a, for just a few minutes, a dumpster makes me really happy. I, it's a strange thing, I know, but I'm a, I'm a little bit of a uh, of a uh, of a clean freak. And when we get a lot of stuff around our house, there's nothing that I like to see more than a big dumpster coming up the drive. And so it's kind of my Christmas present every year to, to take all the Christmas presents that we didn't use from last year out of the house. But, um, but you know, and all my family laughs, there's nothing makes dad happier than a dumpster, but that's really not true. The truth is I've learned things don't make me happy. And you know, that too reminds me of Reese one time he was five years old. He learned this the hard way. We all learned it at some point. You know, he could not wait to get this gun. He wanted this Nerf gun that was the coolest thing he could ever see. I remember it's called the Modulus. Maybe your kids want one of these too. And I mean, it's huge. He could barely hold the thing. It's battery operated. It shoots like 100 darts a minute or something, you know. And he just couldn't wait. And he'd seen the commercial. All his buddies talked about it. You know, he just the commercials just sold him. And he had seen it over and over and over on YouTube. And his birthday finally came. And the Modulus was there. And, you know, he got it. And he got it out. And he loaded it full of darts. And he went out to the side of the house and he started shooting and I, all of a sudden he disappeared and he went all the way around the back of the house and we, we were at his birthday party and I didn't think much more of it. And finally I saw him a little bit later and he was just sad. He was just, he was sad and he came over and I said, buddy, Hey, what's the matter? Dad is my gun. I said, your modulus, you've been wanting that modulus forever. And he said, yeah, I thought it was awesome, but all it shoots is air and disappointment. (laughs) And it had gotten clogged and it quit working and it, it hit all it shot was air and disappointment. And, and you know, that feeling, I know that feeling too, where, where you put all of your hope in something and for you, it's not a Nerf gun, but it's something just as worthless in the long run. Whatever you're putting your hope in, that is a thing, whatever you think is going to make you happy, that is shiny or that has lots of buttons, or that has doors and windows and locks, (laughs) your house, your car, your 401k, all of those things, we know those things don't make us happy. They're full of air and disappointment in the long run. Now, the cool thing is, they accompany a happy life really well. If you can put yourself in a place where you are growing happiness organically, There's nothing better than a nice house and a nice car and nice stuff, especially with the perspective that those things can come and go. You can give them away. You can do whatever you need. If there's a fire, as long as the people are good, everybody's happy. There is not a sense of connection to the things in life. I remember I was listening to Andy Stanley sermon one time. I wish this was my idea, but it wasn't. And he said, you know, nobody ever gathers at their deathbed, you know, gets, gets, you know, sick at their deathbed and says, you know what? If you could just, if you could bring the Corvette in, I'd like to say goodbye to it. <laughs> you know, if you could just, if you could, if you could bring my computer to me, if you could, if you could bring the home, the house close, I'd like to tell good, I'd like to tell it goodbye. Nobody does that. What do they do when they're laying in their deathbed and life comes into perspective? They say, Hey, would you, would you call my brother? I haven't talked to him in 20 years and I want to make things right. Hey, I I just want to get my family around me. Because here's the thing. Things don't make you happy. Things do not make me happy. They can accompany my happiness. 
But you know what makes me happy? People. <laughs> now, not in not in the way that the, the the way that our first thing talked about. Not that I'm going to con- allow their happiness to control my happiness. Not in that way. But being around the people that I love, finding ways to love them in in new ways, finding ways to serve them and be around them and just enjoy them. Yeah, that seems to put me in a place where happiness grows organically. It's one of the things I'm learning. (laughs) Things are full of error and disappointment. So the third thing about happiness that I'm learning is that happiness comes out of a rhythm of my life. It comes out of this like ebb and flow. I almost think of a swing set, you know, like this just just rhythm of my life where I work and things suck sometimes at work and I come home and things are usually pretty good. Sometimes things suck at home and I go back to work and sometimes things are good at work. Sometimes things suck. And and I have this rhythm of life where things are hard and things are good and things are hard and things are good. And what I'm realizing is that that sort of rinse and repeat to my life is a gift. I'm starting to realize that it's out of the mundane that profound takes hold in me. You know what I mean? It's out of it's out of mowing the yard that I look up at my house and I realize how happy I really am and how much I've been given. It's out of doing the dishes with Risha in our little kitchen that's, that ends in a water fight that reminds me how much I'm in love with my life. It's, it's the things that are work. It's the hard things that juxtapose the happiness in my life. And for me, I think I've spent most of my life trying to remove the hard stuff and trying to add more good stuff. And what I'm realizing is that the two are dependent on each other. You know what? Ask somebody who retires at the age of 24 because they they won the lottery. Ask them if everything's happy all the time. (laughs) The truth is, what we need in life is this sense of rhythm, this swing set of work and love. And work and football in the front yard. And vacation and maybe another vacation. And then probably three, three or four months in a row of really hard work. And it's out of that that we get what King Solomon called a gift from the Creator. In Ecclesiastes, um, which is this this really old book, you should check this out. Whether you believe in God or the Bible or anything, you should check this out because the wisdom here is just insane. And it it feels like it could have been written last week. Um, And it was written thousands of years ago. Um, King Solomon says this. He says, I perceive that there is nothing better for man than to be joyful. And to do good. He, he thinks that both of those things to get, go together. So when you feel that joy, his, his, his understanding is that you should do something with it. That you should pass that on to somebody. And that's what perpetuates the sense of rhythm. And then he says, as long as you live, you should be pursuing this. And then he says, also, we should set our lives up so that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure Even in our toil, I love that. Even in our toil, we should take pleasure. His sense is that at the end of his life, he realized that the work is what made the drink taste better. 
that the hard times is what made the great times so profound. And that holding them in balance was as important to happiness as vacation, as Christmas morning. And then he says, this is the creator's gift to man. Which I think is so cool. <laughs> Psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I don't know what you believe about God. And you're welcome to believe anything you want. Listen to this podcast because day in and day out changes for me, to be honest with you. But when I get to a moment where I can sit and go, yeah, things are good. Like at the essence, at the beginning of everything. There, there, you know people that just assume that everything sucks. They just they come at everything with a posture that everything's bad. It's just going to be bad. If you can, If you can find a place in your life today to get quiet, and change your posture. Change your posture to the to the assumption that we start with good. Taste and see that things are good. It's pretty cool. Well, I'm on to my may use already. Just going to let this thing be what it is. Um, I don't know how long you want to listen to me, and I'm kind of just going until I go. So... Um, but I, I, every every one of these I've been ending with what I'm calling the may use, may you this and may you that, and um, wrote these just for you. Um, the rest of this has been for me and stuff out of my life. I hope you you get something out of. But I'm going to end with these today, friends. May you let go of any root of bitterness inside you. Yeah, you might say, I, yeah, you don't understand what they did. Yeah, the worse it is. The worse it was, the deeper the roots go. So, friend, I'm begging you today. Don't let this go for them. Let this go for you. Because bitterness will defile not just the happiness in your life, but the happiness around you. Don't let anyone, don't let any human have control over your happiness. No matter how much you love or respect them. May you look to grow happiness. Instead of make it. Or buy it. If you're getting ready to buy a new truck. Man. Good for you. I'm excited for you. Take a deep breath. Would you? No matter what you believe about God. No matter what you believe about anything else. Take a deep breath. And just remember what you believe about that truck. My guess is you're going to enjoy that truck a whole lot more if you get the perspective that it's not going to make you happy. That it will be a great accompaniment for a happy life. But man, if you're going to look at it for that, you're in for air and disappointment. If you're on the brink of marriage, if you're engaged to be married, or you're you got a guy that you're really getting close to and you think, man, I'm almost there and I think this could be the thing. Take a step back just for a minute. And let me remind you that he won't make you happy. That she can't make you happy. But man, can you enjoy life? Can that person bring an incredible accompaniment to a happy life that you already have? Can they help you pursue it? Absolutely. Can they help you look for it? Absolutely. Can you go after it together? 100%. But the moment you begin to look for them, for happiness, 
the moment you begin to understand that that's full of error and disappointment too. May you look to grow happiness instead of make it or buy it. And may you recognize the rhythm of happiness. If you're on your way to work right now, may you take a deep breath and no matter how bad it's going to be, suck, and no matter how hard it is to go to work today, may you go, you know what, this is what makes the good times better. And, and can I find pockets? Can I, can I, like London, can I line up in a three-point stance ready for something good today? And then finally, may you have a posture of awesome today at all costs. I know that sounds Tony Robbins, which I love. I love Tony Robbins. I know that sounds a little um, Jimmy Cricket, maybe even. <laughs> a little bit posit- power of positive thinking. But the truth is, I believe it. I've seen it in my own life. This is this is changing the way I think. It's changing the way I live. Watching my daughter hit things with a, a posture of awesome. I hope this helps you today. I can't thank you enough for tuning in, for, for caring a little bit, just about the, the three things that I'm learning as I'm pursuing happiness. And friends, may you find it today. May you find it organically. May it pop out like an apple in a tree. May it not be effort. God bless you. See you next time.